We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Twenty minutes a day. Three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Packaday Podcast. You can get all your Packaday updates by following us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. And remember to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out at cheeseheadtv.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I'm joined by Maggie Loney and Andrew Mertig. And we are back for another Monday edition of the podcast. How are you guys doing? I'm doing great. We are almost through people overreacting about interior offensive linemen running 40-yard dashes. So that's <laughs> exciting to me. We got a lot more information about uh, the athletic profiles of some of the players that we're taking a look at for the draft. So that that part's exciting, too. And, um, you know, we are just about to enter the most wonderful time of the year with free agency right around the corner and the draft shortly thereafter. How are you doing, Maggie? Yeah, the combine, I look forward to it every year. And then it comes and goes so quickly that, you know, it it really feels like a nice kind of, you know, blip on the radar. And then you get into free agency and football season feels like it's here already, right? Like, I know that we obviously have a long ways to go before they actually put the pads on. And we have some new Green Bay Packers to talk about. But it's exciting. You know, we find prospects that we really like every year. We watch them perform at the Combine. And then before we know it, you know, we're a month and a half away from the draft when, you know, some of that stuff becomes reality. So it's a fun time of year if you, you know, are are draft nerds like we are. Absolutely. I actually woke up this morning and I had forgotten that, the big ugly offensive lineman hadn't run yet. Like I was thinking that we were done already. And so like, that was like a a mistake I made that was then a blessing in disguise to realize there were still more numbers to be posted. And I don't know how I missed that the offensive lineman hadn't recorded anything yet, but I just forgot. We have one more full day of the combine. It's awesome. It's always a good time just to see all the stuff that comes out of Indy. And so we're here to talk about like the implications here for the Packers. We start to learn, uh, a lot of these 
profiles. And the reality is the Packers do have some pretty specific things they look for at different positions. They have um, some pretty predictable athletic thresholds. And so you can kind of start to get an idea, okay, who may not be a Packer when it comes to the end of the April, April when we get to the draft. Um, who are some players who they would have to bend some of those thresholds for that, you know, of course we project that we know what they are and we don't always, but uh, we can kind of get an idea of that. So we want to talk about that. We're each going to talk about a couple of players who stood out to us at the combine. Maybe their performance was really good. Maybe their performance was a little bit, you know, um, underwhelming or something like that, but that maybe told us a little bit about how we should view these players as we approach the draft. Yeah, absolutely. And so before I even get started, I just wanted to mention, I didn't watch a single second of the combine, which is highly unusual for me. Most years I record it and then I kind of like slowly watch every second of it over a week or two. Uh, I'm not even going to do it this year. So <laughs> thanks to everybody who's out there. I've been super busy, but it's it's nice to just like get those updates. You can follow along on Twitter, of course, um, you know, Kentley Platty. I think mm. it's Platty. Maybe it's Platt. Um, with the relative athletic scores, that is a such like such a huge helpful tool. Yes. Um, when when you're taking a look at the the results of mm-hmm. what players are doing. So, um, for me, the players that I picked today, I was just trying to marry the players who I liked on tape, and then their athletic thresholds either showed me a little bit something extra or really backed up what was there on tape. And so I'm going to start with running back Trey Benson out of Florida State. His athletic testing was fantastic. He ended up with a 9.78 RAS. If you're not familiar with RAS, relative athletic score, uh, it goes out of a 10. So a 9.78 is a really top-level elite (laughs) athlete. He had a 4.39 40-yard dash. His 10-yard splits were elite. His 20-yard split was elite. Um, he, he was just really fantastic as well. And these are the notes that I had about Trey Benson. He's an explosive runner, good vision, burst through holes in the open field. He is an absolute problem. He's elusive. He causes a lot of missed tackles. But his struggles are short yard situations because he often runs upright. I wish his balance was a little bit better. When he doesn't make people miss, he often gets tripped up. His pass pro is a question mark. Not a great route runner yet, but he is very good on checkdowns. Looks natural catching the ball. So, yeah, he's an imperfect prospect, as are all of the running backs in this class. But he's got a ton of upside, and I think his athleticism really vindicates him as a possibility for Green Bay on day two. I think an like, explosive athlete to go with that steady hand that Aaron Jones brings would be really, really fun. Um, so, you know, Trey Benson was somebody who really backed up what I saw on tape this weekend. Yeah, really interesting to kind of take a look at the running backs in this class. I think we all kind of were studying them and trying to get familiar with them because it felt like a foregone conclusion that one of them would be selected by the Packers. But now, you know, at the Combine, we have reports that Tom Silverstein is saying the Packers are not interested in bringing back A.J. Dillon. And, you know, now there's discussions about Aaron Jones and restructuring his deal. So seems like, yes, running back is probably going to be maybe even a higher need than we had anticipated. And we could see someone come off the board really early um for me the player i'm looking at is chop robinson out of penn state the edge rusher you know and even though the packers took lucas van ness in 2023 i'm not entirely convinced that they won't do it again this year and i know packers fans i think like would just hate that because the packers always seem to take edge rushers but i think you could make the case that this would be a good selection for the year one starter anyway um rashawn gary is still a year removed from the acl injury and they just restructured preston smith's contract 
but Lucas Van Ness is still entering his sophomore season, and the Packers will be without J.J. and Igbari for most, if not the entire season. So they're another injury away from having, you know, potentially very little depth in that edge room. So that's why you bring in a guy like Chop Robinson. He's a freak athlete, little undersized here, only 6'2", 254, but he tested like a freak, and you know that that's something that Brian Gudikins will have his eye on. Um, 9.53 unofficial relative athletic score. He ran a 4.4940, which was insane. Has a 10 foot 8 inch broad jump. And I also loved, you know, that he revealed that he got his nickname Chop from his mom calling him Pork Chop when he was born because he was a 14 pound baby, which is just also <laughs> insane. So lots to like from the uh, Penn State edge rusher. That's awesome. Actually, I didn't, I'm with Andrew. I did not watch a lot of the combine. Live this year, one moment I did catch was Daniel Jeremiah uh, saying that he wished lots of blessings on Chop Robinson's mother for having a 14-pound baby. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, he, Chop is actually a player that I haven't loved in the process because his production has been relatively limited at Penn State. But, I mean, if you as you just dig into the player and realize the athleticism – and just the situation maybe a little bit like this is another player that could have a better pro career and maybe maximize his abilities a little bit more in the NFL than he has at Penn State. And again, we've seen good against do that with a player like Rashawn Gary in the past. So definitely someone I think Packers fans should be familiar with there. Um, I'm going to talk about uh, the cornerback situation in general a little bit. I'm going to lead with a player and then kind of talk about why this stuck out to me. Um, Nate Wiggins is a player that a lot of Packers fans are kind of um, enamored with, I guess. Uh, coming out of Clemson, really, really athletic player, playmaker. He came in at a little over 6'1", so long player. Measured in at 173 pounds, though. And so for me, I mean, the Packers have been a little bit more willing lately to bend some of their athletic thresholds. I don't think that they're going to be willing to do that with a player like this. I just think that's a long way to go uh, from what they've taken as far as a weight. And this is also, I mean, he's not only light, he's long. So he's incredibly thin uh, and pretty wiry. It just doesn't to me, even though, I mean, he, he is a 9.4 RAS player, so this is definitely an athlete, but I just don't think that they're going to do it. But what's more interesting to me is a lot of Packers fans have been very focused on Green Bay potentially selecting a corner in the first round at 25, and that pool of players that they can choose from has kind of gotten pretty narrow um, after the combine because, of course, I think I think Wiggins is probably out, honestly. And then Rakestraw is another player that you see a lot in mock drafts for the Packers, but he was a 4.79 RAS after the combine. That would be hard for the Packers, you know, to see them doing that with their history with athletes early in the draft. Um, we learned that Kool-Aid McKinstry has a foot injury, so he may still be in play for the Packers, but maybe not at like 25. That may be like more of a 41 kind of a selection if you were to slip down that far. And then Terry on Arnold and Quinion Mitchell, like, sure. Like, they're definitely players the Packers could be interested in, but they're probably long gone by 25. So the players that are honestly left for the Packers at 25, it feels like like Cooper DeGene may be the guy, like, if there was someone to fall to that range. And Andrew will yell at me, but I think Cooper is a better fit at safety. The things in his game that give you concern, I think, are – 
uh, mitigated if he moves to safety over playing corner in the NFL. I think he can be a good corner. I just don't know if that's his best fit. I think he could be an awesome safety. So a really interesting kind of situation. If you felt like pack, the Packers needed to take a corner or at least an outside corner, it just may not be a great fit for them at 25 in the first round. Yeah, I will not yell at you about DeGene moving to safety. I, I just feel like with teams, you've never seen him play safety on tape. And sure. so, you know, you're taking a big gamble yep. with a first-round pick, even a late first-round pick, to think that you know that, you know, he can make that transition. And mm-hmm. I'm I'm okay with that if, if, you know, somebody in your scouting staff, somebody on your defensive staff is saying, like, that is going to be a good fit, cool, go for it. I just always want to be defensive of DeGene is good enough to play corner in the NFL. Whether or not he fits into the Packers scheme – I don't know. I'm I'm not so certain. There is a lot of stiffness in his game. Mm-hmm. And yep. so I think like he needs to be in a scheme that's going to allow him to play a lot with um, good instincts, allow him to have his eyes on the quarterback. And that's where I think that natural, you know, inclination to think that he can play safety comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's physical. He's a good uh, tackler. He is ultra athletic, but more in a straight line. He's got really mm-hmm. good ball skills. So, you know, I, Again, I always default to like, you know, the Seahawks. We don't know exactly how the Seahawks are going to play football this year. It might be very different than what we're used to, but like the Pete Carroll Seahawks, DeGene's like that long, really athletic corner that that could fit in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am going to kind of steal your your uh, topic here. I went with Terion Arnold as as one of my players that impressed at the combine, and I think you know it's a little strange to have a guy who like quote-unquote, only had a 8.37 RAS score. He didn't blow up the 40. He had a 4.51. That's, like, okay, I guess, at corner. Um, And his other measurements were all just kind of good, not great. But his athleticism is good enough. And I've seen the way... Like I've seen way more than enough on tape that he is ready. He he reads and reacts well in zone, has technique to use his physical gifts to be sticky in man. He's a physical tackler. He has good ball skills. Um, he's not always the most consistent player in press, but I, I think there's potential to improve. But I, I really, like, I'm not really talking about any of that. He stuck out to me because of the way he interviewed at the Combine. He was so impressive through the public interviews that I can only imagine that he absolutely blew away the teams he had individual meetings with. Like, to me, he's my cornerback one. He's currently currently my overall defensive player number one. I think everybody like hones in on the athletic testing from the combine. And obviously that's what we get to see. So that's what we're going to focus on. But at the end of the day, it's how players who already have great tape are going to interact with teams. And I have to imagine that seeing Arnold talk uh, in interviews this week, that he really is an impressive dude to go with some impressive tape. And I think he is going to end up being a really high selection in this year's class. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. We kind of went on a run here with corners, but one of the players I wanted to highlight almost more for fun than anything else is Max Melton out of Rutgers, the corner. Um, Just because how cool would it be, you know, to see the Packers take a swing at Bo Melton's brother, uh, Max, of course, playing DB instead of wide receiver, but he had a nice combine, posted an elite RAS of 9.68, which was better than Bo's at 9.24. And it was cool to hear him, you know, throughout the interview process this week, talking about being able to compete with his brother. And, you know, once he made the transition and converted to corner, what it was like to actually do drills against one another. And Bo obviously was a seventh round pick by the Seahawks. So it's likely that Max probably gets selected much higher than that. Um, potentially a day two pick, if not, you know, an early day three pick. But I think one of the things that's associated with him, which is kind of cool, is just his uh, his high motor, right? You were just talking about Andrew, a player that coaches can fall in love with, and I think I think Max Melton falls into that same category where he interviews really well, and he'll leave coaches impressed by you know his demeanor and how he carries himself. Um, he's also good against the run, which is something that I know the Packers will be looking for in their corners and versatile enough that he can play zone or man. So could be utilized multiple ways in this new Jeff Hapley defense that we're all trying to figure out. Yeah. So both of you guys talking about really the personal impact of the combine and like the interviews and those kinds of things. And I think, you know, even players who are injured show up to the combine, obviously they have to do the medicals, but for those interviews. And I think it's really interesting. Um, I just always think it's, Obviously, there's a lot of predictive metrics, and on face or on uh, Twitter, there's all the people who, you know, they have their models and these kinds of things for predicting players. You plug them into a formula, and their, you know, college statistics and their athleticism and what it, you know, it prints out a player and whether or not they're going to have success. And I think we just sometimes forget that like this is a human game, and these players will be selected partially by how well they interview and how well they a team thinks that they're going to fit that culture when they arrive but also like 
their playing time and when they see the field is often it's determined by whether or not their coaches like them. Like that's little stuff like that. that like, maybe not for like first, second round picks, but like guys who find the field that are later round picks, it's because coaches feel like they can trust them as people, you know, as much as they are like an athlete. And I think it's some of that stuff that like we don't talk about enough, mostly because there's really no way to measure it other than just like instinct and like observation, which is, not scientific at all, but I think it's so fun. That's such a part of the draft process that I love is just trying to dive into these players a little bit and understand who they are, what makes them tick. And I, I had the same impressions from both of those players, but especially Terry on Arnold when he was on the podium and even some of his college interviews, just like this is a player who gets it, who takes accountability and is going to be a leader in your locker room. So that's a lot of fun. I actually want to continue to talk about some of the interview process. Um, the Packers, each team is allowed a certain amount of formal interviews at the combine. You can meet with whoever you want informally, but I want to say you get 30 uh, formal interviews throughout the weekend to, to kind of talk with these players. The Packers had formal interviews, so they've used, you know, a percentage. If it's 30, it's three, or if it's 30, it's 10% uh, of their formal interviews with Texas players, Texas Longhorn players. So they met with A.D. Mitchell, they met with Xavier Worthy, and they met with Jonathan Brooks, who was injured, of course, and couldn't compete and have the athletic testing that we'd love to see. I don't know what that means. Obviously, A.D. Mitchell had an incredible combine, uh, super athlete who didn't have the production at Texas. Xavier Worthy's been a great player for a long time, super light, like 165 pounds. Obviously, we know he set the combine record for the 40 with uh, 4.21 just blazing speed. But for me, I was just interested. Like, the, I think the Packers are trying to figure out what was happening in the Texas offense. Because obviously there's a lot of questions around Quinn Ewers. You know, A.D. Mitchell didn't really produce. Xavier Worthy is a crazy speedster. Jonathan Brooks is like a kind of a great prospect, but like has maybe great is a strong word, but like he's a, a top running back prospect in this class but he has like the one year production trying to understand like what was going on in Texas, who was kind of stirring the drink. Like is yours a problem? Like could these guys have been way more productive if they were in a different situation? I just thought it was really interesting that they met with all three of these players from the same offense, which one are they really trying to zero in on and what are they trying to understand? We don't know the answer to that, but I just felt like there's a high concentration of interest there around these longhorn players. Yeah, that that's kind of fascinating. I think, you know, A.D. Mitchell is sort of that quintessential Green Bay Packers wide receiver prospect. He's big. Yeah. He's crazy athletic, but he hasn't really produced much uh, at the yeah. college level. And you wonder why that is right. Being right. in uh, at a couple of really top notch schools. Uh, in in NCAA football, why why he hasn't produced there? Xavier Worthy doesn't meet any of the metrics that we think <laughs> the Packers are interested in. Uh, but you saw with Tank Dell the ability to really make an impact with a very similar skill set. But Tank Dell didn't finish the season, and the concern is always going to be injuries, and that's why the Packers have shied away, right? And what does Xavier Worthy bring to you as a blocker as well, which is really important in Matt Lafleur's scheme. Um, and Jonathan Brooks is a really, really interesting running back prospect. I think if you're cool with him sitting for probably the first six weeks of the season, maybe eight, um, that's somebody that you definitely want to bring in because he's going to be a tremendous value. 
Um, but can the Packers afford to do that given given their current running back depth? So, yeah, those those are really, really fascinating interviews. I think the A.D. Mitchell thing is a little extra interesting to me because in the interview process, he had a couple comments that I laughed at because he was like, I only run my routes at less than he, he basically said I less run at less than 100 percent so that I can run routes the entire drive, which I was just like. A, a who's like giving you advice on like what to say in your interviews but then he comes out and he runs a four three five forty and i'm like all right like i mean like if you want to throttle down and run a four five sometimes like that's probably fine but we know that his production level wasn't what it probably would be uh you would expect from like that the player obviously his athleticism is very evident on the field as well but yeah i think the, he would not shock me to be a player that the packers would have come in um, to Green Bay on their prospect visits leading up to the draft because those are the players that you're trying to like figure out like okay is there is there a reason for the lack of production what's the personality what's the work ethic and those kinds of things and you know Andrew I've mentioned to you maybe off the podcast that like transfer players are always extra interesting to me because you've got to figure out like did they leave because they weren't going to get an opportunity and why was that and like if you know just those kind of layers that we, again, we don't know the answers to, but he's a player that I think will be really fascinating because now it seems that he's locked into that late first round conversation with the performance that he had. Yeah, absolutely. So we wanted to just kind of end the show with a quick conversation about a position we didn't talk about from the combine, and that is safety. Of course, something that the Packers are going to be very, very interested in. And so just taking a look with free agency right around the corner, uh, who is available? And thankfully for the Packers, if they do feel like they have a little bit of money to play with uh, in free agency, this safety position, the safety free agent class is really, really good. Um, One name that nobody's talking about is Buda Baker because the Arizona Cardinals have a club option. So that's just absolutely not going to happen. But there are some other big names available. Eddie Jackson, Kevin Byard, Micah Hyde, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Xavier McKinney, Kyle Duggar, Antoine Winfield Jr., Geno Stone, Jeremy Chin, Cameron Curl. Those are just the big names I plucked off the top of the list. But uh, Maggie, any anybody in that bucket that you think would be like interesting slash attainable? Um, I know Andy has done, or at least is planning to talk about Xavier McKinney, but I think that would be, you know, an interesting option. I personally could see Cameron Curl being, you know, an interesting choice here on this list. Talked about him a little bit on packs that she said. And I think Geno Stone is like a really fun, splashy name considering the season that he had with the Ravens. But I'm also not sure that he would even be able to hit the market given that the Ravens probably are going to take a look at wanting him back. But a lot of really good names on the list this year. And it'll just depend, you know, how highly the Packers value the safety class in this draft and if they think someone is going to be available for them because I know we kind of were all convinced that they were going to take one a couple of years ago and then the board didn't fall that way so maybe they want to kind of you know secure their spot and grab one of the lower name free agents in this draft that won't break the bake that way they have a little bit more security going into the draft in case a player that they like doesn't happen to be on the board for them. Yeah. And then there's a whole other list. And and this is maybe lesser known players, but uh, they're, they're steady nonetheless. Players with starting experience in the NFL. 
Some of them are veterans who may be on the downslope of their career. Some are just starting to ascend. Um, and some have just been solid starting players or solid rotational players their entire career. Um, but those, this list includes Jordan Whitehead, Tracy Walker, Chuck Clark, Jaron Curse, Adrian Phillips, Mike Edwards, Tayshawn Gibson, Eric Murray, Terrell Edmonds, Kareem Jackson, Taylor Rapp, Ashton Davis, Adrian Amos, Julian Blackman, Oloe Gilman, Jordan Fuller. A uh, whole bunch of names there. Uh, any Anybody that uh, catches your attention at all, Kyle? I've seen uh, Adrian Amos as a... No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, <laughs> love Adrian Amos, but I don't think that's going to happen again. Jordan Fuller is actually a name that I've seen several people mention as kind of a middle-of-the-budget kind of an option that could come in and play safety for the Packers. Obviously, a lot of familiarity with him coming over from the Rams with some coaching staffs and um, those kinds of things. But there's not a ton here. Uh, I know some people are talking about Tayshawn Gibson, but he's old, like mm-hmm. really old. And I just think the Packers are in a place where like they're not, they are, they can win a Super Bowl next year. I think the Packers genuinely believe that, but I think they also know that they're looking at like a window of th- three to five years here where they're not just prepping for the coming season. So I would love to see them get someone who's a little bit younger, uh, who can be a part of that solution for longer than just kind of a patchwork deal. Jordan Fuller is 26 years old. So I think that that's someone that like, you know, if you're going to kind of go middle market, um, you know, it's just going to be interesting who can play that kind of single high role. The, The interesting is that the Packers need two guys. So like, are they willing to play someone, pay someone who plays a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage? Or, you know, I don't know. The draft class is really interesting because there's not a lot of answers that are really, really clear. So do they sign one guy in free agency, take one in the draft? The combination is going to be interesting. But the second group is it's interesting if they weigh into it. But not a lot of names that gets you really excited thinking you've solved your problem. But I do think Jordan Fuller is one that sticks out to me that I'd be pretty, pretty excited to see come to Green Bay. Yeah, I, I think personally, my preference is to get two solid guys instead of trying to swing for the fences with one great guy um, and then maybe bring in another through the draft and really have that ability to rotate players. Like the names that stick out to me, like a, like Sore Thumbs, Jordan Whitehead and Julian Blackman, I would absolutely love those two. If if the Chargers would ever let Aloy Gilman go, He's another guy that I absolutely love, but I think he's probably back in L.A. Um, but I know that there's at least one player uh, with some previously high draft pedigree that his uh, has his contract coming up in Green Bay. Yeah, so um, we got news that Darnell Savage expects to have a robust market when free agency opens next week. That uh, um, sounds like an agent making a couple phone calls. I'm guessing he hasn't heard from the Packers and they're trying to figure out what his market actually is. But that is the report, um, which leads you to believe that maybe the Packers aren't going to be that team because otherwise that deal would be done already. Um, So it sounds like maybe Darnell is going to have a a future elsewhere, um, not going to be part of that solution. I think for the price tag, that's probably the correct decision. I think if you can get Savage back on a deal, like maybe he can be part of the solution. But I think he's shown you that it's risky to pay him right now. And I think you let somebody else take that gamble and figure out um, what, what he is going to be, you know, for the remainder of his career. But um, yeah, I, I think that's interesting. 
we just finished the combine though and like we learned a lot about the safety class and i think that that's kind of what we were talking about early is like the packers have a really really big need at safety like they need two to start (laughs) and then they need depth like they like we don't know what they're doing there um it's interesting because safety isn't a premium position um it can be an important position but most people probably wouldn't articulate it as a premium position so to drop a bunch of draft capital or to drop a bunch of money on it will be an interesting decision if that's the way that they decide to go with it but like for me there's just no one in the draft there's one player that i would i would love to see them take tyler newbin from minnesota um at like 41 in the draft i think that would be great and I think he could be half of your solution. But there's no one else that I feel like you take him and you absolutely feel like they're going to fill the role that you need them to take. And so if you gamble and you don't get Newbin, if he's gone, like if he goes like 36 and you didn't take him at 25 and you didn't get anybody in free agency, then it's going to be a really difficult patchwork to try to solve the safety. So I do feel like they have to do something in free agency. Brian Gutekunst seems to think he has more money than a lot of people do. So that's going to be really, really interesting to see what he's willing to spend on and which of these players does shake free. Because in two days, we'll know who gets the tag and who doesn't. And then, you know, the three or four days afterwards, we'll kind of know who's going to get deals with their current team. So lots of things are going to going to take shape. But I, I really do think this is going to be the more one of the more fascinating conversations to, to look at as the Packers navigate the safety situation. Yeah, and I uh, I liked a lot of Brian's comments at the Combine. He was asked, of course, about Jeff Halfley and, you know, transitioning potentially to a more 4-3 base. And he said, well, you know, kind of what we all said, like 4-2-5 is more of a standard base now. But I think the comment that stood out to me, which feels like common sense, but you like hearing it from your general manager, was just the comments that he made about wanting versatility in his players, right? Like he said, you know, you want guys who can play nickel, or be a post or a box safety. You don't necessarily want to draft players that you can fit into one specific position because you want your defense to have multiple looks and you don't want the offense to be able to say like, okay, Darnell Savage is coming out. That means that, you know, this is the look we're going to get from this defense. So I don't know if that'll play into maybe potentially the players that they're looking at in free agency, because there are quite a few guys that Andrew lists already who can play multiple roles, but also think it's interesting to hear him kind of talk more explicitly about that nickel position because it's something that we've addressed as well on this show and in others that it really is emerging as its own dedicated need and not just, yeah, you throw your third corner there. Yeah, absolutely. And so how the Packers proceed with addressing the safety position is going to be fascinating Uh, based on those comments, based on what is available in the free agent market, and maybe what is at least what we perceive as a lack of resources available within this year's draft class. But that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packer Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. You can find Maggie at Maggie J. Loney. And also make sure you check out Pack's What She Said. And you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please subscribe and read the podcast if you like what we're doing. You can catch Kyle, Maggie, and myself every single Monday. And next week, we'll be back with more off-season coverage. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember... Go, go, go!